It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. My partner, Jay King, here after, I think, a tough week for the Celtics, losses to the Nets and the Hawks, ugly losses, and a win that felt like a loss to the Sixers. We got that taste a little bit of out, our, uh, out of our mouths with a blowout win of the Wizards, but who's not beating the Wizards nowadays? Jay King in Orlando, and my question to you right away, Jay, is Marcus Smart that important to this team? Uh, I, I think... Well, first of all, the answer is kind of. I think he allows them the defensive versatility that kind of set, separates them. You know, he can guard three positions. I think one thing that his injury has kind of revealed that we already knew, but it's made more obvious, is that they don't have a lot of depth on the wing. It's like they really don't have a lot of size on the wing. Um, Crowder, Jarebko, Evan Turner... And that's about it. And Jarebko is not shooting the ball well at all. No. Turner, same thing lately. So when you got to play those guys both big minutes, then you're not going to have a lot of shooting out there. Smart for as inaccurately as he sometimes shoots, he's actually a better shooter than either of those two guys right now. Uh, so they miss him. I think it's I, I do think it's like the size more than anything. Like he, he can guard three different positions. They don't have a lot of guys who can do that. And they need him. And I, I think I, I do think I mean they're capable of playing much better. They've they've run through the Wizards twice now without him. But he's definitely important. He's one of the more important players on their team. Yeah, I, I said from the beginning of the season that a Marcus Smart injury is probably the worst case scenario for the Celtics. Because they just don't have any ball handlers. That's that's the big problem with the Celtics for all of their depth. Where you can go twelve deep on the Celtics, the guys who can handle the ball are Marcus Smart, Isaiah Thomas, uh, and you don't want him being your primary guy. Evan Turner, who you do not want playing a lot. I don't want him playing a lot or at all sometimes, but we'll get to that. Um, and then the rookies that your next, your next real true point guard is basically Rozier and you're not going to play him. He's not ready yet. We've seen him try, but he's just not ready yet. He might be someday, but not right now. So a Marcus smart injury really, really limits what the Celtics can do in the backcourt because now you got to start Mark. uh, You got to start Isaiah Thomas. Uh, or you got to figure out the whole Avery Bradley thing. And then after that, it's, it's just a crapshoot. And then 
even when a guy like R.J. Hunter gets minutes, and, and now I'm going to launch into my anti-Evan Turner rant, R.J. Hunter gets minutes alongside Evan Turner, and Evan Turner blatantly ignores him. Have you noticed that? I've seen a couple of times. I mean, I don't know if it's blatantly ignoring him. I, I, I would lean toward Evan Turner not actually intentionally doing that. I, I would guess it's just circumstance where it's happened a few times, and so people jumped on it. He looked at him directly, <laughs> open behind the arc, no one on him, and then turned around and whipped the pass to Jay Crowder. I, I think that there's, I think it's more than what you're saying. Maybe I might be a little over the top, but either it's, maybe it's I don't trust the rookie, but then you get down to the conspiracy theory level of this guy's going to take my minutes if I if I keep feeding him and he plays well. I don't. I mean, to me, that's a stretch. Evan Turner has always been known as a good teammate. He like it, it, he's an unselfish guy. Like, there's no indication that he will lose his minutes. Even like he played just about the full half against the 76ers. Like, I don't know. This, this is a stretch to me. I've seen the conspiracy theorists out there on Twitter, but that seems like a real stretch to me. Well. I don't care. I don't care. You know what? I'm going all in on this. I'm going <laughs> all in on this because it's Evan Turner and, you know, I don't care. Uh, I think that – I think there's something there, whether it's a lack of trust for the rookie or, or more. I don't – I actually don't really – I don't want to believe that he is so – he would be so petty that he would blatantly ignore the guy and have the Celtics play basically four-on-five basketball on the offensive end. That can't, that can't be the case. Uh, but I've seen it, I, I can think of, a couple of times in the Brooklyn game, and at least a couple of times, I think it was against the Hawks, that Hunter was wide open. And it may, be, it may simply be that Evan Turner lacks true court vision. That might be the bigger thing, and that might be the issue that he just lacks the true court vision, despite him wanting to add to his legacy and, and being Michael Jordan passing to Steve Kerr. But he's, he really doesn't have the court vision to be the point guard uh, that we need him to be in the, in, when Marcus Smart's not there. So either way, I think it's, it's pretty damning, and I can't contain my rage uh, for Evan Turner because even when he's playing well, I, I merely tolerate him. And when he's not playing well and he hasn't played well in the last few games, I, I just I, – I seethe. I seethe watching him play. Yeah, you, you've got a lot of Evan Turner hate there. It's funny because Evan Turner – like there are a lot of people who cannot stand watching him play basketball. I'm, I'm of the I, – I think the Celtics need a lot of what he does. And they need his ball handling. They need his – he's a great rebounder for his position. He's become a good defender, um, and he can switch things. He gives them a lot of things that they need. He's one of their lone wings with size. So, yes, I understand he can be frustrating. He takes some low percentage shots. He, when it's passed to him and he's spotting up in the corner or on the wing, you like cringe that it's not somebody else spotting up over there. Um, but he does do a lot of things they need. I think the the swings on him from one game to the next 
can be too much, including from you, including from a lot of other people. But, you know, as, as Steven says, he's, he's a reliable guy from the standpoint of we can trust him to do the defensive things they need him to do. And, you know, they need him. And, and I don't think it's a great thing that they do need him to play so many minutes and need so many of the things he does. Um, but they do need him. And he's made some big plays. And... He's just Evan Turner. <laughs> you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated with him, man. you yeah. got to live with it. I, I, I'm very sorry, but you're going to have to live with it. <laughs> I'm very sorry, too. Uh, the dude is shooting like 14% from three. No, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Um, since I'm ranting, I'm just going to shift right into my next rant. Screw it. The Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I... What people don't know, my, my, I did, this is my second take of the show. The first take of the show, I said we lost to the Sixers because it felt like a loss to the Sixers. So the Sixers lose to the, the Celtics. And then Jalil Okafor has what ultimately turns out to be his second incident with a fan. Uh, and a second time in, coming out of a bar slash nightclub, whatever the thing is. So this thing... That's going on in Philly is really starting to they're they're really walking the tightrope here. So Okafor goes out and starts swearing, and basically when they say the Sixers suck, he says, Yeah, but we're still getting paid, which is just a horrible, horrible mentality to have. And then he gets into a fight, and then it turns out in October in Philly, he had a gun pointed at him at a nightclub. What the hell? is going on over there. They this is this is the problem I think when you go too in too deep on the analytics and and trying to just hit the home runs in the draft year after year after year after year. Not only do you suck 6 years in a row, you don't take into account this human element that this kid Okafor that we never really heard it had a problem comes into the league, gets drafted, seems like genuinely pissed off when he got drafted that he was going to Philly. Did not like that. Goes there and is now this 19-year-old kid that's out partying all the time, and or at least it feels like that, and getting into altercations. So you don't take into account the possibility of your, your number one draft pick being this type of guy and another one of your number one draft picks being uh, perennially injured and this is just, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to end this rant. I am just wanted to be anti-Philly for a few minutes. So save me. I, well, I have a real issue with blaming his altercations on the Sixers situation. Like, this is just a 19, I think he's still 19, 19-year-old 19 yeah. kid who's going out to bars, getting in fights. That's what 19-year-old kids do sometimes. Like, I know when I was 19, I used to go to the bars. I used to get in fights. I used to do stupid crap all the time. Dude, uh, you did that last night. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I actually did not last night. Uh, <laughs> I fell asleep in Orlando in my hotel room by myself. Um, but oh wait, that was me. Sorry. But <laughs> I, I have a real issue with blaming that on the Sixers. Like you can, you can not trust their process. You can say whatever you want about the rebuilding situation. When you're blaming 
a 19 year old punching someone else on what the Sam Hankey is doing, that's when I have an issue. It's it's on him if he's out there fighting people. Obviously, the losing isn't helping that, but there are a lot of guys who lose basketball games and don't go to the bar and go after someone half their size. So, and that, that it's happened twice, like it's probably it's on him, man. I like say what you it want. It is on him. It is on him. But what is on Hinky is putting so much stock in a guy like him where year after year after year you're putting this much pressure and it's not the pressure that made Okafor do this but this much pressure on your top draft picks to be faces of the franchise and to be the saviors of the franchise and when that guy isn't ready for that when that guy isn't ready to be uh, a leader and you need him to be a leader at 19 that's that's where the process where I, where I don't trust the process and that's where uh, their lack of veteran leadership on the team. And, and I, I read Jackie McMullen's piece about KG, and I know the volatility that goes into being a veteran that mentors younger players. And But David Aldridge said this on NBA TV. It means more to a kid that's 19 if a guy like Andre Miller pulls him aside and says, hey, you idiot, don't go do this anymore. You know, like this is the, these are the things that I as a player have seen off the court. And I'm not trying to say that these these guys are going to teach them everything they know on the court or whatever. But they need to be able to they need to have somebody, a player on that team that says, hey, what are you doing, man? You're 19. You need to you, you're the face of the franchise. You need to keep a low profile until all of this blows over, because the more you put yourself out there, the more you're in Philly, in Philly, where People will, I mean, that is the worst sports town in America. Those fans are looking to just kill you when you lose any game. You walk out in public after you lose any game, you're getting killed by those fans. Now, in the situation that's going on in Philly right now, none of those teams are winning. And now the Sixers, you're, you're trying to be the, the savior of that franchise. That's, that's a toxic situation in that city. So... Where I blame Hinky is not having the, the those veterans not not taking into account the human element of all of this and having at least a couple of thirty five year old guys in there that have been in the league forever that can pull a guy aside and tell him at least how to act. I'm going to remember this conversation when they have two top five picks next year, Ben Simmons and someone else. And Jaleel Okafor gets past his bar problems to continue posting 20 tens on everyone. And Nerlens Noel becomes it. a defensive player of the year candidate. Well, I'm going to I'm going to remember all the hanky hatred and I'm going to bring you it back. Remember it. I guarantee you Philly is not going to succeed in this. They are not succeeding in all of this. This is going to blow up in their face. We will see. Okay. Back to the Celtics. This is a Celtics <laughs> podcast after all. Um <laughs> Why don't we get to some of these Twitter questions? I want to I want to get into some of the the problems that we've had with our defense. And uh, Mike Mike Dynan, Red's Army's own Mike Dynan, asks about Amir Johnson. He says, "Disappointment or the best still to come?" Now we've had some issues here defensively 
uh, or at least effort-wise. And I remember when we were talking about and, and raving about the Celtics having their top defense. They're still number four in the league. They, they and they're are. still forcing more turnovers than any team since 97-98. Right. But that, doesn't, that does not uh, change what we saw this past week. And that was a complete lack of effort. And the Amir Johnson question, I think, is a good one. Because when they elevated themselves to the top spot, Amir Johnson was the guy that you were ranting about, I mean, raving about, where he had that 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 highlight play. It ended up actually being the foul where he, he yeah. rotated over and blocked it. Was it Horford or Millsap? Um, but the past, this past week, the past few games, he hasn't played very well at all. So the question about Amir Johnson is, is he going to find some consistency? And is this tied to Marcus Smart? Is is the fact that Smart's not out there and you have, you lose a perimeter defender? Does it make it harder for him to you know protect the basket, or is this just something we're going to deal with? That Amir Johnson some days is going to be good and some days he's going to be not so good. I think. I mean, he, he's always been consistent in the past. I don't know whether it's his ankles that aren't healthy right now. I don't know what it is, but yeah, you're right. He hasn't been there giving them that consistent defensive presence night in and night out. And he's had some great games with it. Uh, I thought he was actually decent against Washington uh, defensively. There, there were some plays where he switched out on guards and was really quick and active. Um, but, yeah, he, he's been like that, – that's been a weird subplot this year is that Amir Johnson has not been reliable night to night because Amir Johnson was one of the guys you thought would definitely be reliable night to night, and it just hasn't always been the case. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I, I, I think the best is yet to come, but you know those ankles are seriously balky, and yeah, and that was something I've heard from guys around the league who work for other teams that those are those ankles are real issues, and I I, I would imagine that's why he signed such a short-term contract while he was forced to sign such a short-term contract. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't remain an issue the rest of the season. Hopefully he can get healthy. Hopefully he can start stringing together some consistency. Uh, but he hasn't been as good as I expected him to be. And this brings us to uh, what Justin uh, at Aus Celtics fan is asking about Tyler Zeller. Uh, what, what on earth is happening with Zeller? I've heard too many bigs argument ad nauseum. What's his future? If Amir Johnson's ankles continue to be this bulky, and is there a possibility that you just maybe shut him down for a couple of weeks, let those things kind of heal, and you bring Zeller in? Uh, I mean – I guess there's anything's possible. I would say he, these those ankles have been issues for years. I'm not sure it's a thing where you sit him out for two weeks, you he comes back and like they're good to go. Um, so I don't know. As far as Zeller, that poor guy. This is a contract year for him, and he's playing like garbage time minutes. He was a starter last year on a playoff team. He's still the same guy, probably better, probably improved. He's still a young guy. And he just, right now, doesn't fit into the plans. And I still think he'll have a role on this team, whether it's due to injury, whether he takes someone else's minutes. But 
that seriously, that, that poor guy, <laughs> like, like this was supposed to be another step forward of him, like establishing himself as a legitimate professional big man. And I, I think he is a legitimate professional big man, but instead he's playing mop up minutes against the wizards. By the way, that they're, their 12th man lineup against Washington. I don't know why James Young didn't play. They're up 30. Like, just throw them in there, Brad, right? <laughs> That's, there are people who, who definitely tweeted that. I, I, and, and somebody said that they had a picture. Somebody tweeted me a picture about, uh, Brad and the coaches talking to James Young. And, and he didn't go into the game. Now, uh, you weren't, you actually, you actually had a day off. You, you weren't there. So you, you didn't see any of that right i mean i watched the game i i did not see what happened with brad right, i didn't see it that was that was a picture that was taken from the game none of the cameras caught the caught it so i i didn't see i didn't see what happened either it's an interesting thing that to me that's that's really interesting and and, and i don't know maybe james Young's going to be like jr giddens maybe he's going to be the guy a little tantalizing uh can go down to the d league and and, and bust some people down there but he's – I don't know. They, they they didn't think to put him in at all, like not even a little bit. And I want to know what that conversation was. Um, it, could, but, it could have been like trying to get Jarebko a little bit of rhythm. It could have been any number of different things. But my, my, the point I was initially trying to make was they're so deep that their literal 12th man lineup, the, their mop-up time lineup, featured two first-round picks. And three guys in Kelly Olynyk, Jonas Jarebko, and Tyler Zeller, who were all important pieces on a playoff team last season. Like yeah. that doesn't happen. That's just weird. Like it's, they're it's, so deep. It's a weird. It's a weird thing because yeah, that's the thing with the Celtics. Aside from Isaiah Thomas and, and to some extent Marcus Smart, uh, and I, I guess you could throw Avery Bradley into that. Everyone else is is of equal talent. And that's you, you go you you throw your garbage time lineup out there, and that could also be your uh, last two minutes of the first quarter lineup. So uh, let let's talk a little bit about Jarebko because, and we got another question about uh, Jarebko in the Twitter questions. Um, let me find it, uh, Scott at Boston Sports with the Z at the end. Says, I think it's time for R.J. Hunter to uh, to get Jarebko's minutes. I know, I know, John probably agrees. Uh, I kind of do a little <laughs> bit because uh, I heart R.J. Hunter. But no, I, I let, let's look at it because I know why Jarebko is out there, and I will very willingly throw Jarebko into when I write up a preview or something like that. Like I, I throw Jarebko's name into the the second unit lineups without hesitation. And, and Brad Stevens has no hesitation to throw him out there. The guy can do a lot of good things. But, man, that dude is in a funk. Yeah. Yeah. He. I mean, it's so obvious. He's like Kelly Olenekin out there, like pump faking himself out of good threes. And and he's never done – when he was hot last year, he was just letting it fly. I, I, he's, he's taking – last year he took six three-pointers per 100 possessions. Now he's taking two. And I think I think a lot of his problems stem from the fact that he's playing a lot more small forward now, and he no longer has the advantage against big guys. He's no longer quicker. He's no longer open because guys are trying to protect the rim. 
I think that's been a huge issue for him. And I think it's one of those things Brad Stevens said before the Washington game that he does want to get more minutes for the smaller lineups. And, but it's tough with Smart out because they really don't have a lot of depth on the wing right now. Um, obviously, they don't trust Rozier to play many minutes. They haven't given Hunter many minutes. And until Smart comes back, it's going to be tough to get those small lineups a lot of time. But I do think that once he's playing more four, once Jarebko's playing more four, things will start to come more easily for him. And when he's at three, it's like jamming him out of position. He just yeah. doesn't have the same influence on the game as when he's a power forward. And it's been so obvious. And I think that's kind of spiraled to where now he doesn't know what he's doing out there. He just looks lost. His usage rate is ridiculously low. Like, he's hardly taken any shots compared to what he used to. His turnover rate is out of, through the roof, highest of his career. And, like, there was one play against Washington. He caught it on the wing. He was open. I think it was from Isaiah Thomas. Pump faked himself out of a wide-open three, dribbled past the defender, and threw, like, some garbage pass that got intercepted. And he, he needs to snap out of his funk. I, I still like a lot of the things he does. Like, he lets them switch a ton of stuff. He's active. He can spend he spent possessions on John Wall sometimes on switches and did a good job staying in front of him. Like, he's a valuable player, but he needs to hit shots. And once he hits shots, then he's a different player. And I, I think he'll be different if they go to those small small lineups more often. Yeah, I mean, I think this might be just a, a, a case of, you know, at the end of the season, this might, might be just a, like a little footnote where we say, you know, when we look back on how everybody played, we say, you know, Jarebko had a pretty Jarebko year after a slow start. Like, this this might just be the, quote, after a, sp- a slow start. And and right now we're in the middle of it, and we're looking at it and saying, why is he even on the floor? Uh, and I get I get plenty of tweets that, you know, why is he on the floor? And I get that about Olenek. Look, Olenek has – I don't want to say this after the – the Washington game where he hit four threes and, and played well, Olympics had his fair share of struggles too. So, uh, but those two guys together, I think are an important combination. And when you look at the Celtics three and four man lineups, those two guys are at the top or near the top of, of you know, plus minus uh, in those lineups. So they, they are important and it would just be nice for Jarebko, especially to, to start hitting some shots. That guy really, I mean, really is important to this team. Yeah, he needs a few to go down. Okay. Uh, let's let's get some more Twitter questions here. Uh, in fact, man, we got a tweet storm from Michael. Mike McCullough, who asks, let's just go from the bottom. Uh, I realize Simmons is, this is a college question. Simmons, when will Celtics fans pay attention to Scal, Bender, and Ingram? I think all Celtics fans, at least the ones that tweet me, are, are paying attention to all those guys. I'm not paying attention to any of them just yet. Sorry. It's just too early to be so fully invested in those guys. Let, I, I want to let them play, you know, pay a little bit of attention, just kind of see how they're, how they're going. But let's, you know, let's let these guys play basketball for a little while. Uh, anything, any thoughts on the college? Uh, I mean, those guys all look, with the exception of Ingram, who has kind of struggled a little bit. Another guy I like is Jalen Brown. From Cal, he's he's like a physical, athletic guy. I think that he he'll be in those lists too at the end of the year. I, I would suspect. Uh, 
but yeah, there are some some good looking prospects. Celtics could have a top five pick. Let's let's pay attention to NBA basketball for a little while yeah. first. Yeah, uh, and then uh, this stretch here from uh, today or tomorrow till mid December, Celtics play at Miami, at Sacramento, the Rondo game. Uh, at San Antonio, at New Orleans, and then at home, Chicago, Golden State, at Charlotte, and Cleveland. So in, the, in that stretch, how many wins can we expect? Uh, I would expect them uh, legitimately. I, I'd say they could beat Sacramento. I think they could beat New Orleans. Uh, Charlotte and we'll say maybe Chicago. You get four wins out of that. I mean, they could win any of those. Games. Like they're good enough I mean, to they, beat they, anybody. Of course, they could beat Miami. They could beat Miami. Yeah. You know, it depends. San Antonio could rest half their guys. They could beat San Antonio. Um, they will not beat Golden State. If the Celtics are the first team to beat, Go- can you imagine if the Celtics <laughs> are the first team to beat Golden State? If Golden State is still undefeated come December 11th, that is just outrageous. By the way, like yeah, oh, absolutely. They, I mean, that team is so good though. They, they're already a quarter of the way to 72 wins. 18 and 0. Dude, they lost Harrison Barnes last night. And then was it Brandon Rush came in and scored 14 points in a quarter? Yep. Like, that's insane. Yeah. How, they just plug a guy in like, oh, yeah, you're, you're one of us now. You, you haven't played all year. <laughs> now you, you get minutes and then you, oh, you, 14 points in a quarter. No problem. It's just anybody goes in there. Like, I feel like I could go in there and score eight points in a quarter with them. I'm not convinced. You don't think I could? <laughs> I, mean, I totally could. I think I could. Eight, eight, eight and a quarter. Uh, do you have complete freedom? Do you have a, a quick I'm yank? I'm part of the team. I'm part of the team. I get, I when get you when light. you get scored on defensively, are are you going to the bench? No, I can rotate. I can rotate. I can be part of that defense. <laughs> I get out there, man. I got range. I can I can hit a couple of threes, get a couple of free throws. Boom, done. Eight points. That's easy. That's easy. Yeah, easy, easy. <laughs> yeah, it's so eight point eight points in a quarter is so easy. Thir- yeah, yeah. I mean, it's thirty two points a game. That's whatever. John Corrales does it. MB- I got NBA it. leading scorer. I could do it. Yep, definitely easy. They're a good team. And, uh, just good. Uh, they're a good team. They're all right. They're 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 an acceptable NBA franchise. Uh, that team is. I'm, I am going to go out of my way to watch as many of those games as I can all year, the Golden State Warrior games. I'll go to – I'll find them live. I will go to those games. I just want to soak in, as a pure basketball fan, I want to soak in that experience and just see in person just how – like it's, it's like basketball ballet. It's just so well choreographed. It's so smooth, those guys. So – uh, I would not expect the Celtics. So I, I think they could win four games in that stretch. Uh, it'll be tough to beat, obviously, Golden State. They Obviously, Cleveland is not a, a great game. Uh, the Spurs, I would expect them to, to lose to the Spurs. So definitely three losses in that stretch. And then, so, uh, you know, Miami's going to be an interesting game. I'm, I'm interested to see how Miami, uh, how they match up against Miami, what they're going to do. Because uh, you know Miami's playing really well, and it, it's it's an interesting matchup. So okay, that's that. Uh, also asking, uh, what are the realistic chances of Isaiah Thomas getting an All Star nod this season? I think I think that's a lock. Yeah, I, I think Isaiah should be an All Star. I think 
He's had a great year. I think he's shown as a starter that he's capable of starting and impacting a 500-plus team. He's he's just really good. I, I think a lot of people overlook it. I don't think any coaches overlook it. Lionel Hollins came out, said he's a star. Um, some other guys, you know, that's it's very obvious that every team game plans to stop Isaiah Thomas or to slow down Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Teams throw different things at him. Like he is by far the Celtics' biggest threat. Not even close. And he he deserves an all-star nod. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so in this mix is the uh, Mexico City game. So the Celtics play tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday. And then they have a few days off so they can get themselves to Mexico City and play the Sacramento Kings and Rajan Rondo, who is having an okay season. He's doing all right. So he gets traded from the Celtics, goes to Dallas, and completely implodes. They completely fall apart. And now he goes to Sacramento. He's got some freedom. And what do you know? He's he's averaging he's he's got like Rondo numbers again. He's got twelve and a half points a game, eleven assists, seven and seven point three rebounds is at least what his his career he averaged about five for his career. So he's he's rebounding better than ever. Uh, his assist average is a a little bit less than his career high, um, and his points are his points. But he's still. Uh, he's still he's being Rondo. He's he's back to being Rondo. Yeah, he's which out is, he's out there rondoing around, which is fun. You know, yeah. Rondo's always been one of those guys. So frustrating sometimes, so talented, and so fun. Like when he is out there, crazy passes. It's so much fun. I <laughs> I always just enjoyed watching Rajon Rondo play basketball, and because. Even like everything is like an adventure. Like even going in for a, a wide open layup could become like like a spin pass out to the three point arc. Like you never know what you're gonna get with him. He finds ways to impact a basketball game despite being like just a broken, broken down shooter. And <laughs> so I, I always in, enjoyed watching him play basketball. He he can be frustrating, but when he's at his best, there are few players who can have that like visual appeal as he does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I liked Rondo. No, everybody knows I was a Rondo guy. Uh, I thought, I, I, I still think he got a raw deal around here. Uh, I'm, I'm actually happy to have moved on from the Rondo situation because man, that was exhausting. It was just so exhausting to have the haters just, on and on and on i get it i get it i get it and even the people who are listening now who are going to tweet me about this i get it i get it but it's still i still had fun watching him and i i think he's he's you know he was a big reason for the Celtics' success but that's going to be fun to watch and it's going to be interesting to see i think he's going to have that chip on his shoulder it was like his first game back against the celtics where he was just what did he hit, like four threes or something like that? Like he had a bunch. He All of a sudden, he became a dead-eye shooter. He became Steph Curry. And uh, I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see his, his revenge on his mind and how he plays against the Celtics in that game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that game when he came back to Boston with Dallas was crazy. He just started hitting threes. 
destroyed them in different ways than you expected him to. It was like classic Rondo in that he stepped up to the moment and classic Rondo in that it was like, whatever you don't expect, he's going to deliver it. And then he fell apart <laughs> because, because he's also combustible. Uh, he's just a fascinating, fascinating character to watch from close, from afar. He is a truly, truly unique basketball player and person. And it'll, He's always interesting. Always, always interesting. Yes. That's one way to put it. Always interesting. Um, okay. Um, I I think we're about done here. Unless you have something to add, J. King. I think I think we should probably talk about the Eastern Conference. And oh, okay. how the Eastern Conference is a lot better now. Because right now the Celtics are 9-7. and seven, And... Like if the season ended today, they would barely be in the playoffs, and so that is something to watch because I think what are there ten, eleven teams that are five hundred or better in the Eastern Conference? It's it's a much better conference than it has been in years past, and from the Celtics' standpoint, that makes things tougher. Obviously, I, I I'm still not convinced there are any teams, with the exception of Cleveland, that's like really good. Miami there, if Miami stays healthy. I think they could be really good. Indiana is playing really well also, but Miami is the one that I look at and think they're really talented. As long as they can stay healthy, the team is good. Justice Winslow is making Danny Ainge like cry routinely. Justice Winslow is really good already. Yeah. Um, Hassan Whiteside has just been a monster. And I still, I still don't understand the whole Hassan Whiteside thing. Like he's he's obviously playing well and he's he, he has emerged, but for him to just come out of nowhere, it's bizarre. It's bizarre to be this good after being passed over so much. That is that is weird. It's crazy. I I I had one one of his former coaches when he after he had already erupted and been like triple doubles whatever. After all of that, like he had already started to establish himself as a breakout player. One of his former coaches told me, watch, within two years, this guy will be out of the league. Like, just thought of him as that big a knucklehead, like couldn't harness the talent. And he's still doing it. Like he is, and he's getting better. And he, I want to say he has like 25 more blocks than the next closest player. Like he and he uh, he's in the top five in rebound rate. Jared Sollinger's number six, by the way, right now in rebound rate. <laughs> uh, but Whiteside is a beast. A um, couple other things I want to talk about. Sollinger, Sollinger still active, still active. I don't think that's anything new. He finally got a couple of tippins to go against the Wizards. Yes, tippins. Sorry, I got very excited about tippins. Yes. Because they were like oh for a thousand in tippins until like the Wizards game. I mean, it's unbelievable how many tippins they've missed this year. And Solinger right now is shooting forty nine percent from inside of three feet. <laughs> because he and it's because he can't make a tippin. It's he's like oh, he's like now he hit two against the Wizards. Now he's like two for three thousand. Uh, so yes, Solinger finally got a few tippins to go. He. That it's um, it's been unbelievable though. The, the missed tippins are just crazy. Um, so Sullinger rebounding well, moving well. 
I thought Steven said something interesting about him before, which game was it? One of the games on the road, Atlanta. He said, he's like, I can't even tell you how smart Solinger is defensively. And he, he was just talking about how important his communication is to the defense. So that, that was, I thought that was a neat, neat quote, quote, just like, I cannot tell you how smart Jared Solinger is defensively. Uh, which is, isn't something you hear a lot about him or not something a lot of people notice about him is that he is really smart. Uh, because I think in the past, you know, his, his mobility limitations mm-hmm. have stopped people from noticing that he is really intelligent and knows his angles, uh, knows all their coverages, things like that. Well, yeah, you have to be smart when your mobility is limited. You know, you have to have something to make up for that lack of mobility, right? I mean, that's if if you're if you're not as mobile as the next guy and stupid, then you're not going to be this good. And Jared Sullinger's a good player. He's not. You know, when you when you can draw charges, like that's when you can draw charges like he does. That is, I think, a sign of basketball intelligence because you have to be able to anticipate a guy being in a spot. And into that spot, we all know, like, he's, I don't want to say he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to make him out to be like a, a complete lumbering idiot. Uh, he's, he's, mobility issues are one thing, but he, he can still move. Um, but I think that he takes charges really well. And that's, that is a sh- a sign of his intelligence. He shows that he can anticipate where guys are going to be. And get to those spots. So, yeah, that's not surprising to me that he, he would be called a smart player. Um, maybe people just don't, yeah, like you said, they don't understand how smart he is. Yeah, but, and then one other thing I wanted to throw out there real quickly. Avery Bradley playing great basketball. Like, just knocking down shots. I th- he's, he's become a better playmaker. Like, every game he does something. Like, dribbles to the side, pulls two defenders with him find somebody cutting down the middle that I'm like, he might not have done that last year, might not have done that in the years past. I think he's getting better at picking his spots. Uh, Avery Bradley, all good things from him. And then Brad Stevens' rant after the Atlanta game. I I, I, I think you're probably talking about he was not. Okay, let's get into that. He was not happy after that. Now, like That is as disappointed as I've seen Brad Stevens with his team since – probably March when they lost to Cleveland by like 900 points. <laughs> okay. So, so Brad comes out and in a, he gets pissed off in a very Brad Stevens way. Yes. Yes. He, does. you know, he doesn't, he, he doesn't come out and just, he's not like, um, who would be a good example? I don't know. I can't think of a guy that comes out and just, uh, you know, maybe Popovich or something like that. Um, but Stevens comes out and gets pissed off in a Brad Stevens way. It's very, it's it's very calm, uh, uh, but direct. Where he uh, and you don't hear him be, you don't hear him like that a lot. Yeah, uh, he he came out. And it, it, it's it's the theme. He gets upset when they're not connected, when he doesn't think they're playing like a team, and that was his theme. And it it, it was like a quick. Like they they had just lost two games in a row. It was just back to back losses, and he's like, "This team has has lost its mojo. This team is not playing like a team. Like we need to get back to." Th-. And I was like, "Dang, Brad, it's like just back to back losses. Like this hasn't yeah. been, it hasn't spiraled out of control." But like he was he was very pissed off, 
And his theme since day one has been like, we can be good when, when we're on top of our game. And if we're not on top of our game, we are screwed. Like, we have to do all the little things right to give ourselves a chance. And so when he, when he saw them slipping in those little things, he was very furious. Evan Turner th- said he swore in the locker room, which, which surprised that me. That is amazing to me. Which, that is amazing surprised to me. me. Evan Turner also Did he said. he swear, like, say, like, damn? Like, is that, like, his swear for some reason, like, that, where people think damn is a swear? Or did he actually, like, drop an F-bomb? I don't know. Evan said that Brad's parents started letting him swear once he was age 35. <laughs> so, so i gotta say evan turner's been like the comedian lately is he always like he, that? he's like, hysterical he, he is the best interview on that team not even close when he like, when he's traded or or leaves whatever the media will miss him because he is a golden quote every time the mj quote you said like that was that was gold and that was right off the top of his head i think he could be like an improv comedian because <laughs> he just comes up with this stuff and, and he, he knows like how outrageous it is to compare himself to Michael Jordan and, <laughs> and he does it anyway, throws in like that was ingenious of me. <laughs> just he, he's a funny dude, really funny dude. I was like, I, I, I don't know because, because of how I feel about his play, I heard that quote. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me even though i know it's obviously totally sarcastic like you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> oh god he's, um he's funny man and then i i thought i thought it was also interesting back to the stevens rant yeah that then they they gave a a really i thought bad they had a bad game against philadelphia the next night and instead of being upset about that he was like fired up that they gave the last six minutes that they did to erase an 11-point deficit. They forced six turnovers, finished the game on an 18-3 run, and he was, like, fired up. He's like, we needed this as a team. We needed to do it together. And I thought that was that was interesting, too, because for 42 minutes of that game, the Celtics stunk. Like, oh, horror. That was just an horrible. ugly, ugly game. And he loved that they dug in deep. He didn't care that it was against the Sixers. He just loved that they dug in deep to get a win on a day where they obviously did not have it whatsoever. So I thought that was an interesting response from him, too. I, I thought both of those post-game press conferences were interesting looks into his psyche and how he feels about the team. And then, you know, they follow that Sixers comeback with a dominant victory against Washington. And now they're back up to number four on the defensive list. That that Washington game, some of those turnovers, like, I watched all the turnovers in succession on NBA.com, mm-hmm. like, video of them all. Some of the defense was just so beautiful. It was like, there was one play, Avery Bradley was guarding the ball. I think it was Bradley Beal, who, who then threw it to Marcin Gortat. And Bradley knew from the scouting report that a dribble handoff was coming and jetted into the passing lane, knocked it away. They did that a couple of times. The rotations were so crisp. All the turnovers they forced were just like perfect rotations. Uh, there was another one where it was like in the corner. Uh, Gary Neal caught it in the corner, and David Lee left his man because he knew Gary Neal's a very good shooter. We left his man to help there. And then Kelly Olynyk came flying over with the rotation to cut off DeWan Blair going to the hoop, who was David Lee's man. 
that it was just beautiful stuff. And they've been doing that all year long. Their defense is so fun to watch. Uh, even without Marcus Smart, and once he gets back, obviously it'll it'll be raised to another level. Yeah, and and it it doesn't hurt that Washington is playing absolute horrible basketball right now. Yeah, it's that, like weird. They are. So, what happened to them? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I really like that team should be pretty good. Uh, they should be. They they They've have two of two of the maybe one of the better backcourts in the entire NBA. And it's just uh, something's not clicking for them right now. Randy Whitman's gone. He's gone. That that he is not going to last the season. And they're going to hire Kevin McHale, like I said in the last show. Yep, you you, you did call the Kevin McHale to the Wizards thing. You said so that we'll would be see. the perfect fit. I think I think that I think I think Whitman's gone. Even if it's not McHale, I think. Whitman is gone, and he might be gone by Christmas. There's no way that if you're the Wizards and you're supposed to, this was supposed to be a big step forward for them. They're supposed to be one of the top three or four teams in the East, and they are not right now. Uh, where are they right now? They are uh, six and eight. Yeah, they're out of playoffs they're, right now. They're that's it's early, but look, you need them to. If you're the Wizards. You need to, you need to get yourself up to the top, you know that top four. There's no way that you should be uh, that bad at this point. So I, I think Whitman is is out, and within the next few weeks, if things keep going the way they're going, it, it's funny because once once one team does it, then there there are less trepidations for other teams. Like Mikhail's already been fired. There's already been a coach firing. That has set the tone. So I think I think they will have very little hesitation to to let Whitman go. Well, I mean, if if they continue to struggle, I I I can never tell what I feel about Whitman. I I feel like he's held them back sometimes. He's also like forged them into a a good team. So I, I can never. I I think he was a good coach to have like in their transition from being super young with Brad Beal and John Wall. I think he was good as like a, a leader who's been there before he, he was obviously a good player himself. I think his voice was, was good to have around those guys when they were kind of growing up. Now they're grown up and they need to take that next step. And I kind of think like, he's not the guy to, to bring them there. It's, it's, you know, it, it's time for wall to be like the guy. And he's he's not playing very well, and uh, I I think this is one of those situations where, it, it, much like in Houston, you can't fire the players, so you fire the coach, and you know maybe when that happens and John Wall realizes, man, I just got this guy fired because I couldn't play up to my abilities, then maybe that is what what the guys need. You know when you, when you sit there as a team like wow. We, we cost this guy his job and it's not like they're tuning him out they're just not playing well so that could be like the spark that that gets some gets some guys together i don't know but as an aside we've talked about now philly and washington um <laughs> we want to talk about another team want to talk about the lakers Bad <laughs> they're, they're a mess man they're such a mess kobe <laughs> giving carte blanche doesn't matter how many times he screws up, he is going to play the same minutes. That's just I, I I think Byron Scott is like the perfect head coach for them because they want to 
keep their lottery pick, which I believe is top four protected. And so he's going to play Kobe. He's going to screw around with that team's mentality. And it's just, they're, so so they're incredible. Like they're just a dumpster fire. And, and yeah. And Kobe, I mean, Kobe, I'm not sure there's a more harmful player to his team than Kobe Bryant is right now. Oh, it's it's horrible. It's horrible. He should be limited. And Byron Scott's out there saying not starting him, is, is, is that's not an option. Like, he's going to basically keep going the way he's going. It's not an option. He's going to play all those minutes. He's going to keep starting. It's it, None of that is, is going to change. So, look, it's it's so – it's sad in a way – to see, you know, it's when you sit there as a Celtics fan and say, um, you know, uh, we want to point and laugh at any Lakers misfortune, but Kobe Bryant is is one of the all time great players, and it is sad to see how easy it is for a a player that was that good to just not have it anymore after all of the injuries and and now just being old he just he doesn't have the ability to do the stuff that he used to do he can't rise up like he used to he can't he just can't do the same things and he's still trying to play the same way and he he doesn't have that old man game and if you look at Paul Pierce by comparison Paul Pierce always had the old man game like he was always playing even when he was like in his athletic prime he still had like old man moves the little fadeaway the little jump shot that you know get two inches off the floor and and that just allows him to keep playing and play well throughout these last few years and and accepting the 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 role like he's he has accepted that he's a bench player he's accepted that he can't do the stuff that he used to do but he'll go out there at key times and do and play and, and do well as opposed to Kobe, who hasn't accepted that other role. He hasn't been the, uh, you know, he, he hasn't taken the step back. He hasn't said, I'm just this guy now. I am not a star. I'm not Kobe, quote unquote, anymore. I'm just Kobe Bean, Bean Bryant, and I'm, I'm a, you know, pushing 40, and that's, you just got to take a step back. And he hasn't. So. Yeah, it's like the the stubbornness made him great. The stubbornness held him back, and now the stubbornness is making him like one of the worst players yeah. in the NBA. And that's what and, he is. right now he is one of the worst players in the NBA. Yeah, and he is an all time great. Much respect to Kobe Bryant for everything he's done, but man, man, it, it can be tough to watch right now. It's almost as tough to watch as the Celtics against the Sixers for those first 42 <laughs> minutes. Nice <laughs> callback. Uh, okay, that's a good place to end it, I think. Uh, making fun of Kobe Bryant, always fun. Okay, so the Celtics take on the Magic and uh, the Heat tomorrow. We hope that you enjoy this podcast. Uh, the schedule has been really bad for podcasting. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like the shelf life is like yeah. four hours for every podcast. But, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it and, and this stuff stays relevant. Uh, and, and once again, next week we'll be talking about completely new stuff. And maybe Evan Turner will make me not hate him again. Whatever it is, we hope to have you back here for the Rain and Jays podcast. See you next week.
Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.